Hey guys, you're listening to Totally Stoked Podcast with Amelia Travis, yoga teacher and wild child turned multi-six-figure business coach, writer, speaker, and spiritual warrior. Totally Stoked is an experiment in radical honesty. On this show, there's only two rules, show up and tell the truth. Each week, we share uncensored, truth-telling, shame-busting conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and modern-day mystics revealing their rise to thrive stories, current challenges, and sharing their most powerful tools for awakening, growth, and well-being. This is your place to let down your guard, open your heart, and remember that being human is a crazy, wild ride, but you don't have to do it alone. So buckle up, baby, because we're heading full speed ahead to radical self-love and a totally stoked life. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast with your host, Amelia Travis. I could not be more stoked about this episode today because we are sitting down with a woman who is a pioneer in exploring the intersection of spirituality and sexuality. She's doing incredible work around helping women heal their own gaze and view themselves with eyes of love and flying against the face of what our culture teaches us to do, which is to grow up steeped in self-loathing, in body dysmorphia, and in, in, in a a constant cycle of guilt and shame. Um, And she's breaking these old paradigms and shattering uh, our ideas about what it means to be a woman in this modern day and age and what it means to be a spiritual woman. And I'm just over the moon to sit down with this powerhouse, Morgan Day Cecil, welcome to the show. Wow, Amelia, thank you so much for that introduction. Truly my pleasure. So I know some of um, our listeners may not be familiar with you. And first of all, let me just say at Morgan Day Cecil on Instagram, go follow. You're not going (laughs) to regret it. Um, But this is this topic that you work with, self-image, how we heal our own gaze, feminine wholeness, spirituality and sexuality. These are kind of, I feel like, new topics for many women. And we come to the curiosity around these things at a, everybody comes to it at a different time, right? But hopefully yeah. for the love of God, hopefully most women will come to, to these, to this place at some point in their life where they realize, man, I'm really tired of hating myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm really tired of believing that I'm broken, that I'm not good enough, that I'm missing something. Um, And I get chills as I say that because I feel like it is so universal, like in all of the work that I do with women and probably in all of the work that you do with women, there's this common thread of women arriving in, I'm not enough, others know better, you know, I'm... I'm broken and we're conditioned into it. We're conditioned into it from a theological perspective with Western Christianity. We're conditioned into it from a pop culture perspective with um, you know, media representations of women that are false and that are a completely arbitrary ideal. And like everything is literally a conglomerate of like this model's head and this model's body and Photoshop. And like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. So um, I would love to hear like, how did you arrive to a place where you're doing work around feminine wholeness? Mm-hmm. And I realize that's a big question. So yeah, can you just share with us a little bit about who yeah. you are and how did you get here? I would love to. Thank you. And yes, it is such a big question. And the first thing I'll just say is that I freaking love the mess of being human. Mm. It is so messy to be a human being. Mm-hmm. And a woman, especially just like, because so much has been in the dark and we haven't been allowed to ask these questions or even to go there in ourselves. And so right now we're living in such a powerful time where we're we're just exploding with questions and curiosity and the mess is getting bigger and it's just so beautiful and so hard sometimes. So I just want to say like, for everyone listening, like bring the mess, Mm -hmm. bring all of you here. Like bring it all, like darkness and light, because it's beautiful. And for me, that's where it began, like from an early age, just like recognizing that there are these like really big things inside of me that I don't know what to do with. And there doesn't seem to be a mirror in the world to reflect back to me, like where to go as a woman, what to do with this energy, 
what to do with this, these, um, this sadness, what to do with this suffering, what to do with this joy. And so I've been asking the question for a long, long time, like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And also desiring freedom. Also desiring freedom. And I'll say like a lot of young girls, like there was a sense of freedom when I was out in nature, when I was playing outside or I was playing and dancing in my room, or if I was just like in a safe place, I got to touch that joy and that freedom. But for me and my story, like as soon as I went back into like the family dynamics or um, just some weird dysfunction out there, I would always shut down. And I was, I had this experience of almost two different lives. Like there was a life of joy and delight and there was this life of darkness and shutdown and self doubt. And then there was the life of like total belief. And so I was felt so divided from such an early age and I didn't know what to do with it. And of course I didn't have the language around it, but there was also something to do with sexuality and spirituality in that. Mm-hmm. And like this energy, this life force within me and part of it was welcome and part of it was shunned and, and what to do with all of that. And, and then the real split, you know, and there, I think about this a lot. There's maybe there's a traumatic event in a woman's life, or maybe it's just that death by a thousand cuts. And so I experienced both, both the, like the shaming eyebrow from like disapproving adults, mother, um, you know, just authority figures that just didn't, couldn't see me. And so shame me. And then also a traumatic event that happened when I was 15 where I was raped and I was raped in the context of it was two Christian boys that raped me and so being someone that wasn't raised in the church I really took that on as wow there's something wrong with me like there is I must be the the seductress I must Mm. have been the dangerous woman or you know that caused this to happen because they were good they were Christian and I was not. And so I live with this story that somehow I caused this, that it was my fault, that not even God would protect me because I wasn't worth protecting as a woman. And it was so much shame. And it was right at the intersection of my sexuality and my spirituality, right when I was becoming a woman and kind of waking up to who am I? in the world at 15. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't start addressing that wound. I didn't even start telling the story until I was 30 years old Mm -hmm. because there was so much shame around it. And it was actually coming back into the context of, of faith, of finding my own faith, of finding my own relationship with Jesus, that then I could begin to heal that rift and heal that split. And then, yeah, that pursuit of wholeness just set me on this trajectory to reconcile sexuality and spirituality within myself and then to help other women along the way. So when did you come into your uh, current faith alignment? Like when did you feel like you came into a relationship with Jesus? At 30 or prior 30 years to old. At 30. 30. Okay. You know, it's like moments because I didn't grow up in the church, like I said, but there was something about this man, Christ, that was so compelling and I was so drawn to, but it was kind of like this little romance I have <laughs> on my own. Like I would travel to Italy and I would love going to Catholic mass because I had no idea what they were saying, but there was just this beautiful sacredness all around. And I felt like I could have this divine romance with Jesus. It was all mine. I was like, really wanted him, but didn't really want his people because all I witnessed yeah, was Christianity <laughs> yeah. was like hypocrites, right? And, and yeah. people looking down on me and not getting me. So yeah, I was just had this little scandalous affair with Jesus <laughs> by myself so for a amazing. while. Yeah. And then 30, I came into the church. Yeah. You know, um, Gandhi said um, something to the effect of, I really like your Jesus, but I do not like Christians. They're so mm-hmm. unlike your Christ. Yeah. And I feel like that, unfortunately, is often true. I also didn't grow up in the church. I also didn't come into a relationship. I was a little younger than you. I was 22. And, um, and Jesus was kind of like Christianity and Jesus were kind of the only spiritual, um, avenues that were like off the table for me Mm -hmm. growing, growing up. I was like, let me study Wicca and Hinduism and Buddhism and read the Tao Te Ching. And like everything else was fair game, but I was like, not that one because it's too judgmental. It's too parochial. It's too, 
um, it's too patriarchal. Like all of it, I was just like, it's bullshit. And then it was through direct experience that I had this, that I was called basically into relationship. And for me, it was coming from a place of what I believe now is it was coming from a place of really needing salvation, really needing forgiveness. Like, so I like that yours was, you know, um, almost like romantic, like you were coming into it as a love relationship. I was definitely coming into it as needing, like needing to be forgiven. And, and that was because my life was a fucking shit show. You know what I mean? Like my life was such a mess. Like mine was too, Amelia. (laughs) So I want to know, you said, um, you said something that I think is really interesting. You said you were raped at age 15 and it stirred this question in you of, am I the seductress? Did I cause this? You know, why didn't, why wouldn't even, God wouldn't even protect me because I wasn't worth it. And you didn't start addressing the wound or telling the story for 15 years. Yeah. So this is like a, such a parallel in, in what I'm currently experiencing and have been experiencing over the last year. Um, it wasn't until 33 that I actually was able to, for the first time, witness the wound of sexual violence in my life. And then in witnessing it, realized that it wasn't, um, an isolated incident, that it was actually not only a series of incidences, right? Like a series of actual physical assaults, but also that it was something greater than that. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, through a a plant medicine meditation that I saw the wound of sexual violence in the collective. Mm. And what I saw and felt was a woman kind of slumped against a wall in some other country, in some other time, feeling complete and total defeat, right? That feeling of having no power and having no voice. And you said earlier, you know, was it, was it death by a thousand cuts? And I feel like that expression encapsulates so well what the wound of sexual violence is Mm -hmm. for women so often. And even if you've never been sexually assaulted, if no one has ever laid a finger on you in a harmful way, this death by a thousand cuts and this wound of sexual violence is so much bigger than being physically assaulted, right? It's every time someone's telling us, don't dress like that, or um, you can't do that because you're a girl, or really anything that's, so gender violence, sexual violence. So what do you feel like for you, you said it was the relationship with Jesus that kind of started to change things, but was there a turning point? Was there an epiphany? Was there a straw that broke the camel's back, like what happened that sent you into that relationship, but also allowed you to witness the wound? It was finally grieving what happened. Finally being with the 15 year old in a way that not even my mother knew how to be with me. It was a very, like I went underground. I went, I withdrew so hard from myself and from the world at 15. And so learning how to grieve what happened and to really weep, really weep tears and allow people to weep for me. Like that was, it was so uncomfortable to tell the story and to be, um, to have someone mirror back to me how horrible what happened to me was. Cause it was like, I had got through it by putting up the armor and just saying, you know what, shit happens to everybody, mm-hmm. you know? You just, you just move on. So I needed to really slow down and go back to that girl. And it took me years to really learn how to grieve what she lost because something was lost in that moment. Something was taken from her and I'm still learning how to care for her. Yeah. I think that maybe it's a lifelong, yeah, lifelong process. I used to kind of smirk or laugh when people would say, not out of cruelty or mockery, but out of not understanding when people would say like, well, I'm doing inner child work or I'm healing the inner child. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what that meant. And, um, and now it's definitely not, it's not funny. <laughs> like it's really important right. and it's, we, it's something, you know, reparenting ourselves or even just walking into the darkness and being willing to hold hands with that girl yeah. uh, who didn't deserve it and, and who didn't, 
And then who spent yeah. the next 15 years believing that she did and that she, you know, mm -hmm. deserved to be treated that way, that she deserved the punishment. So you said you went underground at age 15 after this rape. What did that withdrawal look like? Was it um, yeah. just shutting down emotionally? Was it substance abuse? What, what were the ways that you closed yourself off from, from feeling? All of the above. Like I started, so interestingly, like that particular year after the rape happened, I, um, I had a year of just withdrawing from my social, social circuits. Like I became very kind of like a loner in high school, which in that way was really good for me because I stopped drinking. I used to, I was a really early partier. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and that year I just like really like took a step back away and it was a year I actually went to Africa and got to start seeing how much bigger the world is and how much beauty there still is and how resilient the human spirit is. And so that year after the rape was actually so beautiful and it was just it felt very sacred in some ways, but I didn't know how to move out through that and continue the healing because we can't do healing alone. We're not meant to do it all alone. But I became very distrustful of people and very distrustful of myself. And so I used everything to numb. Like I loved, you know, just partying, um, drugs, boyfriends, sex, like everything was fair game. And it was just like the only way I could be with people really. Mm -hmm. like feeling like normal because I just felt so not human even. I just felt like awkward in social settings and not really knowing how to connect to someone at a deep level and being terrified too, but really desiring it. And so for me, a lot of like the foray into drugs, alcohol, sex and relationships, it was like, because I really wanted to belong and I really wanted communion and connection, but I just was terrified of it too. Mm -hmm. and and also I hadn't yet reconnected with that deepest part of myself in the shadow and so how I feel now is like it's really maybe not possible to deeply connect to another human being until we've deeply connected to ourself including that dark side I think that's really true and I I think when people hear that sometimes that feels intimidating because we don't know how right? right and this even this sentence of we don't know how is something that um is applicable to men and women but especially with women i i noticed that being conditioned into the belief that other people know better or that there is a right way to do things it disconnects us from our intuition and so when it comes to something like welcoming your own shadow looking at looking at all the sides of yourself like being willing to look at what i ca would call the dark side of our own moon right like um we we don't we i'm putting it in air quotes you guys like we don't know how and and i think that there is a deeper knowing that does know how and i think it's it's yeah. primal and i think it's holy and i think it's um related to our womb space and our willingness to dance and our willingness to be sexual and all of this stuff. But I think to be super practical and on the surface, like for women who are like, okay, cool. So I want to connect with myself so that I can connect with other people more, but how do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. It always begins with the simplest thing, which is slowing down. We have to slow down. We have to de disconnect from digital worlds, screen time, our phone, and literally spend time, maybe longer than feels like productive even, in solitude, out in nature, like just being human again. Like, and it's so cliche, but it's, there's so much value to it. And we don't really get it until we step into it and really commit to like, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time every day or every week to unplugging, to just be sitting in the dark if I have to, to sitting in a bath, like the womb again, like the warm water in a dark bathroom and just being with the dark in the, in the visceral, the physical going on moonwalks, going, you know, 
literally doing something so the mirror, our outside world, helps us connect to the inside world. Because part of what hurts so bad, at least for me, is my inside world didn't match anything I saw in the outside world. And so therefore, I thought I was bad. I was wrong. So to part of that healing of returning to ourself is to slow down enough to know how we're feeling. And it's going to take a while to know how we're feeling. Because for me, at least, man, it was hard to name feelings. It was all a blur. It was all numb. But to just continue to go back to the quiet places, to unplugging, to slowing down, to the dark, to the candlelight, and to keep asking body, to keep being present for body and breathing with her. And then something breaks eventually. And it's a beautiful breaking open. And then that's, okay, now it's this, we go into grieving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we go into grieving. And it's like one of those things, and I think maybe we've all experienced those cries where it just, it hurts so bad, it hurts so good. You, know, you just cry so hard. It, it finally, it feels good in a way because it's so honest. And so um, backing up, practically speaking, number one is just getting so real about, yeah, I need time. I need to slow down. I need to give myself 20 minutes in the morning like, and really evaluate our relationships with our phone. Mm -hmm. like, it's no joke. Mm -hmm. I just spent... Um, nine days out in the wilderness, 10 days out in the high desert, three of which were all alone. No food, no shelter, just me and nature. And I was terrified. But I met myself there and I got to see this beautiful mirror around me in the natural world that began to heal something. And I can't even really speak to it because it's still so fresh, mm -hmm. but we've lost touch with the world, the natural world being our mirror. And when we lose touch with that, we lose touch with ourselves. And so there is sacredness in all things and in all living things. We can see that, right? Like we can see the sacredness in a beautiful flower or the moon and the stars and all of that. But there's also sacredness in the scat, in the dirt, in the dead things too. And when you're out there in the wild and you can begin to be with it all and it's all okay, Suddenly, like it's like it's safe to go to those places within your within yourself, the dead places within yourself. Wow, so. Morgan. I mean, that was just number one. Get real about needing time. And yeah. I'm so thankful that you expanded on that beyond just yes, please, please, please take 20 minutes without your phone in the morning to sit in silence or to go outside barefoot and walk in the mm -hmm. grass please do that. But also know that we're now operating in a system of such inundation of digital devices and, um, and, and hyper connectivity that 20 minutes is not enough. Like, let's just be super honest with the fact that like, yes, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, but also as I hear you say that about going and spending 10 days in nature and then three days truly in like survival mm -hmm. wilderness, there is something so hungry in me that is like, it's not jealousy, um, but it, it or well, even envy, it's but it's, like yes, it's, human... I'm like, please, yeah. I need it. I can yes. feel the need on such a deep level. And I know that we all need it. And I, I feel like even in our search to slow down or to reconnect with ourselves, we're often doing that through what I would call the, the masculine dynamic or this trajectory of like, what can I do to connect to myself instead of how can I be to connect to myself? Right. Yes. And so like, I, and this is always how I've been, but like, I want the fast track, right? I'm like, give me the breath work. Give me the psychedelics. Give me the pranayama. Like, where can I go? Where's the retreat center? What is the, what is the yeah. thing I can do to find myself? And yes. what I'm yeah. hearing in you is like, that's beautiful mm -hmm. that you have that, that, that wanting is the first, but, but what it really, where you're really going to find yourself is in the slowing down and in the darkness and in the being yeah in this state of receiving which is allowing yourself to be present with 
all of it, mm-hmm. right? The living and the dead, the light and the darkness, your own beauty and ugliness mm-hmm. and, and letting it teach you. Yeah. So much harder. And I, I'm only here because I did all the things, Amelia. Like mm-hmm. I did all the Tantra. I did all the trainings. I did as much as I could. I signed up for all the things, the workshops. I love learning. And then it was like this like tipping point that it was like, okay, now go be with it all. Mm-hmm. Now let's integrate it all. And truly the greatest mirror we have is the natural world. Mm-hmm. Like it's all right there. We are natural and we forgot that. And like the way that we live our life right now is so unnatural and we take it for granted. Like this is just the way things are. But no, it's very, very recent that we, we interact like we do. And if we, if we don't feel quite human, it's because this is not how human beings are meant to do it. Mm-hmm. If we're meant to be with each other. We're meant to be a lot slower. We're meant to be with the, the cycles in nature, the cycles of one day and actually to be with, like to abide, like that, that ability, that verb to abide, like to sit with something, like is a lost art in a lot of ways. And for me, it was a lost art. It was so much easier and it got me way more excited to think about traveling somewhere and signing up for a course and learning more information and getting another certification under my belt. Like that was exciting. Mm-hmm. And it was way, way harder to, to go into myself and to just be with it. Morgan, how do you reconcile what I'm hearing it from you is this earth-based spirituality? Like I hear you talk and I'm like, Morgan mm. is a priestess. Mm. Like she is, <laughs> you speak in the same way about the natural world as my friends who are uh, studying shamanic traditions, right? Mm. Indigenous traditions. Yeah. And yet you have this radical love affair with Jesus yeah. and those two things for many people, they don't go together, right? Or people struggle to understand once you start, you know, if you say you love Jesus, but then you start talking about the teachings of the natural world and the cycles of the moon Mm -hmm. and connection to the earth, even though I believe, you know, scripture is pretty clear about what it means to steward. And, and really, I believe that we're witnessing the Christ in all of creation, Mm -hmm. but that is considered heretical. How do you identify as being a follower of Christ and teach on the sacred feminine and teach about sexuality and teach about things that are so taboo in much of the church? Mm. That's such a big question and a really good question. And I would say like for the start, like I am pursuing a real alive relationship with Christ that is constantly growing and changing. Like I am learning as I go and I definitely don't have it all figured out, but what I want most is authenticity and freedom. And I remember like being 30 years old and reading scripture for the first time and reading in John where Jesus says, I came to give life and life to the full. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? He's offering us life and life to the full. Where are all the people? Like, I thought all you said yes to this. All you Christians said yes to this. Why aren't you living life to the full? Go girl. So, like, I was like, okay, if I'm going to sign up for this, because like, if I'm going to turn my back against like the way I was raised and like literally become a child of God with you, I'm going to believe what he says. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, what is a creator if he's not a part of the creation? Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense to me. And so for me, there's no divide. When I am loving and being with like the natural world, I am loving and being with Christ. Like it is, it is never a divide for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the creator is right there with me. And, and I will say like, there is something really special about having this personal relationship with Jesus that I am personally really grateful for because when I was out there on the land and I do feel the sacredness in all things, there is still something really comforting about being able to pray specifically to Christ Mm -hmm. and to Jesus and to feel that particular energy and that presence with me. Like, so, you know, I don't know if everyone needs it. I know for sure everyone doesn't want it, but I am personally in need of it. Mm-hmm. And I personally desire it. So like, I love walking the land and being naked and being barefoot and feeling the presence of Christ go with me. Mm-hmm. So. 
I don't know. Thank you for that. That's, <laughs> it's so meaningful to me because I have felt so alone for so long in the way that I'm, that I operate, right? I believe that Jesus consistently taught a principle of non-duality. I believe mm -hmm. when he said, I and my father are one, he meant that. Yes. <laughs> I believe when he said greater things than these you will do, he meant that. I believe that he was representative of the divine authority that we have mm -hmm. in being fully human and fully divine. And even just recently, after a particularly potent breathwork session, I had a vision of myself. And, and, and my intention for this session was around authority. It was around reclaiming or understanding mm -hmm. my spiritual authority as a healer to be able to facilitate healing in myself and also in others. Yeah. And I was a little bit conflicted around um, kind of just who am I to do that? Or, you know, even though, mm -hmm. even though scripturally we have this authority and he says greater things than these you will do when he's talking about healing. Um, and then also from what I would say are non, non-Christian traditions, I feel very clear on the fact that like, this body is my vessel and my temple. It's my hotline to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And like the spirit comes and works through me. So of course, like these hands yeah. are going to heal. And, um, but the vision that I had was myself and Jesus. Um, he looked a little different than he does in many of our current yeah. representations, <laughs> but it was Jesus nonetheless. <laughs> And we were standing in the desert. We were in, I believe we were in Jordan. I think we were in Petra actually, which was interesting. I'm not sure why we were there, but that's where we were. And everything was dusky. Everything was purple and, and uh, sunsetty colors. And we were standing shoulder to shoulder, looking out towards the horizon. And we were kind of the same height and the same stature. And I'm pretty sure I was fully naked. And I think he had a robe on. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, whatever. Um, and in that moment, I felt our equality, right? I felt his full presence as the representation of the divine masculine and, and felt very much that it was like a partnership relationship yeah. and felt myself in the representation of the divine feminine in full authority and we were surveying the landscape i guess you yes. could say looking out at creation and it was just this sense of total and utter peace mm. wow. and it was incredible and i came out of that feeling like i had landed in an experiential understanding of what it means to have spiritual agency and authority what it means to be able to trust myself more. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, do you get any backlash? Do you get any backlash from the Christian community or you, have you yeah. found yourself pretty wildly no. accepted? <laughs> Is that funny? Oh, uh, no, yeah, no. <laughs> but you know what? I, the spirit gave me these words and I really meditate on them is when I was in that place of really worrying like what people think about me and am I doing this wrong and oh my gosh, you know, because I was getting the emails like you are leading people astray, you're a dangerous woman, dot, dot, dot. Oh girl, I've heard that. Yeah. Yes. And, and I take this seriously. I take my work, my desire to help others really seriously. So I was praying, you know, oh my gosh, like, how do I sit with all this? And the words that came from the spirit is seek to serve, not to be understood. Mm. Seek to serve, not to be understood. Because any one of us could spend our entire resources, all of our energy trying to explain and trying to be understood where those people don't want to understand. They may not be at a place where it's even like, that's, so where are we investing our resources? Where am I putting my, my heart and my, my energy? And there was a choice. I could become like someone who's really wanting to be planted inside the a particular version of Christianity, evangelical Christians, the loudest people in the room, mm -hmm. and try to win them over to my side. 
but I don't think they're, they're wanting to be, I'm not, I don't feel like my mission is to win anybody over or to convince anyone of anything. I just want to help women feel more whole because I believe deeply that we are whole. We're just missing the experience of it. And so I decided to invest all my energy and resources into the people who just resonate because we do have this energy that goes out into the world and it's going to attract people that we're meant to, to walk with. And, and I feel led all the time by the spirit. And every single time I lead a retreat, the women that are there are the exact right women that are meant to be there. And I trust so much that the, you know, in faith, the Holy spirit is doing this weaving together. Mm-hmm. So I, I get the, I get the backlash and I get the emails, but less and less because my energy isn't to them. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not there to serve them. I'm not their leader. I'm not trying to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm just here growing <laughs> as a woman, as a wife, as a mother. And um, yeah, leading the women that are feeling resonant with me back to their own wholeness, back to their own wisdom. It all belongs. Do you find that you give yourself a lot of freedom and permission in, you said you studied Tantra before mm-hmm. you studied uh, Christian theology. Is that no, correct? No, about both and like, so Same time. it's funny because I actually really re- resonate with your story, Amelia. Like when I was like early twenties and late teens, like I was really interested in this idea of God, but I wasn't going to go through Christianity to get him, you know, mm-hmm. and I had my little love affair with Jesus, but like I was going to pursue a different path. And so when I was studying abroad in Australia, I learned how to meditate with this group who had a guru, had an Indian guru. And I tease people sometimes, I love teasing Christians on this, and I tell them that it was an Indian guru who led me to Jesus in a lot of ways, because he taught me how to meditate. Mm-hmm. He taught me how to see with my inner eye. And when we learn how to see with that inner eye, like we awaken to the Holy Spirit in our life. Mm-hmm. And if you want, you know, if you want that, like you will receive that, like, ask and it will be given. And so my path, like I, I went down the path of having a guru and I meditated on his picture and all these things that Christians would say, oh my gosh, that's demonic. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've done, I've done all the like the side things and somehow it led me to my path, my spiritual path, which is Christianity, which is Jesus. And so I am not afraid of like the... <laughs> whatever is out there i just feel like if like our heart is asking the question or pursuing the sacred and love and wholeness we will be shown the path that is meant for us Mm -hmm. i love that you don't identify yourself as evangelical because i feel the same way and i tried really hard tried really hard to fit into the box of evangelical christianity Mm -hmm. for a little while Mm -hmm. but i kept getting stuck on certain things Mm -hmm. that just didn't it was like, there would be so much that would work for me. And then there were pieces that wouldn't. One of the pieces that didn't work is the ways in which scripture is weaponized against people, against mm-hmm. certain populations, um, against women, right? And even even the blame. I mean, I talked to people who are raised in the Catholic church. Just this last weekend, I was leading a women's um, surf and yoga retreat. And quite a few of the women who came were raised Catholic. And they were talking about um, being taught about menstruation when they were in, you know, whatever age, middle school or, you know, prepubescent. And they, they were taught that, you know, this is the curse of being a woman because women uh, were, you know, responsible for original sin, that we would be cursed with uh, menstruation and pain. And that's all they were taught. That's literally, that was like, this is why you have a period. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me today to identify as a Christian. I don't like the word, first mm-hmm. of all, because it initially was, I mean, not first of all, but in part, the word Christian was initially a slur. It was a pejorative, much like the N-word is mm-hmm. today. Um, and it was derogatory and it was meant, it was used to mock the people who were following this man. So I feel like there's still some of that energy in it, but also just the connotation that it carries Um, when people hear it and they immediately identify with that means you are homophobic or that means Mm -hmm. that you, um, you know, Mm -hmm. are complicit in the oppression of women, or that means that you are, you know, involved in this infrastructure of, of kind of conservative Christianity meets capitalism. That's like 
in many ways is very political in our country. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you bother defending or explaining your position as a Christian? And I feel like in the last question I asked you, it was mm. kind of like, not really anymore. You just trust that yeah. the right people come. I do see myself like as subversive and I like that. Like it's kind of like, Ooh, yeah, I'm subversive mm -hmm. in the way that Jesus was subversive. Mm -hmm. And so when I was struggling for a while, like I just remembered like, no, like this is subversive work. And so I have gone back and forth, Amelia, like just, am I a Christian? Should I even bother like owning that? Like, what does it mean to own that? Like, do I, because I, everything you, you express, I feel the same. Like I don't have the same doctrine as what is like Christianity in America, but like my, mm -hmm. I've traveled a lot, a lot and I love traveling and I'm always reminded that it's so much bigger than what the picture that we're getting. Mm -hmm. And actually like strangely, and I can't explain it. So it's not something we can really go deeply into, but I'm being led to the Catholic church despite all of its, you know, patriarchy and despite, and you know, it just, there's so many like mystery. I don't know why I'm being led to it, but I am. And I'm just following the breadcrumbs. Like I've always followed the breadcrumbs. And what is really clear to me that no matter what I call myself, I am here to be a part of reinstilling the divine feminine inside this Christian mission, not by doctrine or by dogma, but by my presence. Mm -hmm. mm. Girl, preach. I'll come to this church. Take it. You know, mm -hmm. Catholic, the word Catholic means universal. Listen, exactly. And um, if you listen to teachers like Richard Rohr, um, there are people out there who are, I mean, Richard Rohr is still an active Catholic, Catholic priest. It gives um, me so much hope. I know, me too. <laughs> I'm like, praise the Lord. That's amazing. Yes. Um, and I do feel like I'm with you in the fact that like all party lines aside, political, religious, whatever, there are all of these people, you know, almost 10 billion now on this planet. And most of them are seeking, right? Mm -hmm. We're all looking to understand why are we here? What does it mean to be human? What is my purpose in this life? And when I get distracted or frustrated or start spinning out into all of those questions about, you know, theology and doctrine and, and uh, defining ourselves with labels, I really love to just return to, um, to Jesus's teaching of yeah. like, love God, love mm -hmm. people. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. That part right. I can do. I can love God. I can love so people. Right. It's and so it's, simple. Yeah. And it's like, if I can do that, then, you know, I try to live my entire life by show up, tell the truth and love people. And, yes. and love God is kind of the unspoken in that because mm -hmm. my heart can't help but love God constantly. Yes. And you said something before that is so true for me as well, that even as I started delving into the sacred feminine and divine feminine and more earth-based spirituality and understanding the natural world as this, not just representation or mirror of, but embodiment of God, mm -hmm. God's self, right? In, in all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that God is present like beyond all names and forms, but also in all names and forms. Mm -hmm. um, as I've been in that walk, my heart and my mind still pray involuntarily all the time to Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, this is just what it is then. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, and, and I feel like he's the most patient loving, supportive. I feel like there's so many times that we're sitting, we're having the conversation that we're having right now. And I feel like the Jesus presence is sitting there like nodding, like he's yes. like nodding and occasionally yes. like fist bumping, you know what yeah. I mean? Or he's like, yes. yeah, like a little raise the roof from Jesus over there. <laughs> like he's like totally. so into it. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to get into sexuality because this is a big part of what you share yeah. on and teach on. Mm -hmm. You have your um, sexy selfies, which, you know, if you guys go follow her Instagram at Morgan Day Cecil, you'll see just beautiful artwork, beautiful representation of the feminine through our bodies. And earlier you said, um, you said something refer, like almost personalizing body. You said body knows she this, yes. right? And so you have this personhood of your body. I want to hear about what does sexuality 
have to do with your spirituality? How has sexuality been an instrumental part of your mm -hmm. healing process? Oh, it's so core because it's, it's all about desire. Mm -hmm. Like the sexuality, spirituality, it's all life force. I really feel it's the life force energy. And sexuality is that primal force. Spirituality is this like conscious force of our imagination. And what, so together, like, oh my goodness, when they become in alignment and when we start being able to really access both, that's when like the full experience for me of being human is. And so that desire piece, like, and desire, that primal desire for whatever it is that we're after, whether it's food, you know, like after going three and a half days of fasting, like I was very aware of my desires <laughs> mm -hmm. and my longings. But you know, what's interesting is that, yes, I was hungry for food, but what I desired most of all was communion. Mm -hmm. I miss people. I long to be in the energy of other human beings. And so like this primal desire is not disconnected from our spiritual desires for each other, for something bigger, something greater. And so to stop dividing the two, like for me, like the teaching is really simple and we can get into like the erotic of sexuality and all of the fun of that. But like at the end, like just the beginning or the end, it's just so simple. It's life force. It's love. It's desire. And for people who have spent their whole lives shaming sexuality, um, hiding it away, or they've had traumatic sexual experiences. And mm -hmm. so sex has become a painful thing for them on a physical level, an emotional level, a mental level. Um, do you have any doorways, any little cracks mm -hmm. that people can start to, mm -hmm. to open in themselves or, or any advice for yeah. if, if, if you're hearing this and you're just like, whatever these weird new age ladies with their yeah. sexual healing like it's not my cup of tea like what would you how would yeah. you speak to that yeah and I totally get that and and so first thing I always tell my clients when I'm working with them one-on-one -on -one is that we're only going to go as fast as the slowest part of you wants to go mm -hmm. that healing really is meant to be a love story like there's no white knuckling this you have nothing to prove. You do not need to suffer for your wholeness. You don't need to force anything before it's time. And so, because in the beginning, when we're just entering into this work, it can feel so scary because I'm raising my hand and I had experienced sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. and, and so sex was loaded. The word itself sexuality seemed dirty, like everything about it. I just kind of like my body would like, you know, just withdraw into itself and pull away and constrict. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel very expansive or fun. Mm -hmm. So the, the way in is through gentleness. The way in is through like recognizing that, okay, we've been taught that sexuality and spirituality is, are as far as East is from the West. And there's like this linear line and they, they're two opposing poles. But in reality, it is just like the earth. Once upon a time, we thought the earth was flat, but we found out she was actually round. And so these poles that we have and are actually like connected. Like when we put that line and make it into a circle, like we're actually like, this is safe. It all belongs. And the way in is to realize we don't have to go straight into like whatever we think sex is, mm -hmm. but we have to, you know, to understand that sex is this bigger energy of delight, of pleasure, of joy. And so like, how can we say yes to those things? And for me, it began of like, just like reclaiming this innocence of recognizing when something lit me up and being with that like sensation of like, I'm inspired right now, or I feel joy right now, or like there's something happening in my body that it makes it feel more awake. Mm -hmm. And that could be like just being outside in nature and just witnessing beauty. Mm -hmm. And so I teach like the first way back into sexuality is just witnessing our own delight and lingering a little bit longer in the things that light us up. And then we begin to trust that these things that light us up are actually really safe. We can learn how to trust ourselves. And when we learn how to trust ourselves, then we can be led further along the journey. And what it means to actually begin to share that energy with another human being 
what it means to like say yes to the darker for you know that dark feminine that's like that real raw erotic sexuality like even that's safe we can reclaim it all but we go at the pace that's right for us to go and there's no like you got to do it this way or that way it's like really learning to listen to your body and you know really be there for your soul and just yeah be with the guide you trust and as you've deepened your walk into sacred sexuality have you had um have you had spiritual experience through orgasm? Have you had? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Our face right now is just like, hell yeah, girl. <laughs> Amazing. Um, oh my gosh, yes, 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 yes. I found when I was pregnant, this was really interesting. I was pregnant and my husband and I were trying to figure out, like I was pretty pregnant. I was like six, seven months <laughs> pregnant. We were trying to figure out how to have sex that worked. Yeah. And an interesting thing that kept happening, you know, obviously your hormones are different when you're pregnant everything's different. Your body's different. Um, one of the things that kept happening was I would have these insane orgasms and then start bawling, like yes. sobbing, uncontrollable, shaking, sobbing. But I, I wasn't sad. I felt good, but yeah. it was like this huge Nice. energy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also when I started um, studying Kundalini yoga later, and I've did, you know, done thousands yes. of hours of different types of yoga trainings, but Kundalini took mm -hmm. me 17 years to get to Kundalini because I always thought it was dangerous. Mm -hmm. And especially from, um, from kind of church conditioning or, or script, it was like, that is the most demonic one. So you got to watch out for that Kundalini. <laughs> And it's, you know, you said sexuality is this life force energy, spirituality is this conscious force of the imagination. And I just, I hear Shiva and Shakti. And if those totally. words don't work for you, totally cool. Like, but mm -hmm. one of the things that happened for me is the deeper I started working with Kundalini energy, which is this life force mm -hmm. energy, I started having insane cervical orgasms. And yeah. if you, my dear listeners, have not had an insane cervical <laughs> orgasm, you need to get one at some point in life because it is absolutely a game changer. But it is this, in order to get there, it requires, um, for me anyway, such a surrender and such an openness and such a willingness to deep penetration on a physical level, but also mm -hmm. to slowing down the trajectory, the arousal trajectory. So like, mm -hmm like slowing the sex down yeah. and being with this deeper, slower movement for a longer period of time, which is not what we're used to. Right. And so right. many of us, even mm -hmm. when we want to have an orgasm, we're like, let me bust out my rabbit and like yeah. get it in three and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And especially ladies, if you're listening, men too, if you're listening, like our arousal trajectory is not three minutes. No. flash like it yeah. is like 30 to 40 minutes mm -hmm. minimum to actually get you into the place where you're most primed for a deep spiritual sexual experience yes right so is this do you go there do you teach mm -hmm. on this stuff like yes do you and teach into the erotic or are you yes i'm like can we come to your class yeah, let's, do it. let's do it <laughs> yes and part like this is the most important, I think, to understand about the erotic is that the erotic holds this shadow. Mm -hmm. So to be with the erotic in its freedom and its expression, we also got to be with the erotic in the grief, mm -hmm. in the healing. So for me, like the, we cannot get to our greatest sexual expression and fulfillment without returning back to the places where we've been split or when there has been trauma that we have not grieved. And it's, it's this space when you have a partner where it's really, really safe. And even if you don't have a partner, you can begin this work with your own self-pleasuring practice mm -hmm. where you begin to, to really work with the vaginal canal in a way that helps her know that it's safe to feel all the feelings because our pelvic bowls is, I know you know, is like this storehouse of emotion. It's like mm -hmm. everything gets stored there. And one of my mm -hmm. Tantra teachers said, it's like a trash heap is sitting on God. Mm 
Mm. because we have that Shakti energy, that life force energy, that Kundalini energy right mm. there at the base of our spine. For women, Hunter teachers teach, it's in our cervix right there. Mm -hmm. And so then we have all of the trauma of life that just gets buried and we numb that. And it's like a trash heap sitting on God. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to return to this pelvic bowl, this sacred space and, and specifically our vaginal canals and begin to like slowly, slowly at her pace, release the tension that we may not even realize is stored there. Mm -hmm. And there's a process, a specific process called vaginal dearmoring. Mm -hmm. And it's where we can go back and really all we're doing is pressing and creating a little bit of pressure in beginning with the entrance to the vaginal canal all the way up to the cervix and allowing the body to make sounds and natural movements that uh, allow that energy to begin released. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I began to work with this process, there was a lot of grief sounds that came up, mm -hmm. a lot of wailing, and then there was anger. Mm -hmm. And there's all these things. And so sound is such an important process to this liberation. Mm -hmm. And this healing, because we, for women especially, we're told, you know, like we're afraid of our own voice, Hell especially yeah. ugly sounds, mm -hmm. you know, it's Hell okay yeah. to make those like, whatever we think is like sexy the porn, sounds. The porn sounds. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But like, just and like, like totally, totally fine if that's sounds. how your normal real orgasm yeah. sounds. Great. We celebrate yeah. that. But totally. Like, but yeah. the full range is what for me has been the most healing. And same with for my sexuality. Like I don't, like I, I love being the, like the glamorous, like vixen getting in the red lipstick and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the bodysuit. And I love being like the wild woman, like just mm -hmm. like the no makeup on, just dreads in her hair, kind of just like dirt in her fingernails. And for me, like all of these different expressions of a woman's sexuality, it all belongs. There's no right or wrong. You can be a Victoria's Secret angel. You can be a hippie girl, whatever it is for you. But for me, the, the freedom comes from just giving my permission to be it all, mm -hmm. to experience it all, whatever is alive in me in that moment. And because we have such a limited idea of what sex looks like, especially female sexuality. And so, so many of us feel like we're performing and that sucks after a while. And it feels like your whole life, you've just been performing someone else's script and you don't even really know what is yours and what mm -hmm. is authentically yours. And so that's why I teach on how to heal your own gaze as women, because so much of our, I mean, our personhood, our self image, but also our sexuality is wrapped in how we see ourselves, mm -hmm. how we see the woman we are, our bodies, our sex, sexuality, and learning how to see ourselves for ourselves. And instead of through our mom's eyes or our pastor's eyes or our dad's eyes or even our husband's eyes, but learning how to see ourselves for ourselves. Turned on. B, I'm like, I just want to hang out with you all the time. <laughs> um, and C, like, I hope, I hope that all of you listening received a little piece of that and, and, and that it's, I, my prayer is that it's activated in you and that you're able to um, destigmatize your desire for a moment and understand that your hunger is holy, whether mm -hmm. it's for food or whether it's for a community or whether it's for belonging or whether it's for, um, for something more carnal it's all good and it's all it's all you and yeah. and you are perfect you are perfectly and wonderfully made and if there's any yes. part of you that's still doubting that lean into this work and and like you said morgan like it can begin with witnessing your own delight i like to talk and teach to women a lot about pleasure and pleasure being not even necessarily physical but pleasure being expanding your sensory awareness through a lens of appreciation. Mm -hmm. So just noticing what in this moment is good and right, or yeah. I, I like your language even better because the word good is loaded because we have good and evil. Right is totally loaded because it's the polar opposite is wrong, but to be able to witness your own delight and to trust the things that lights that light you up and that being this path to learning how to trust yourself and i will say for sure a thousand percent experientially learning how to trust myself has been the biggest the biggest part of healing my um sexual experience mm -hmm. and and that i'm still very much in it this is a process it's yeah. and it's a beautiful process that it, it that we get to we have the privilege to 
unfold over the course of our life. And so, you know, if you're listening and you've been disconnected from your body or disconnected from your sexuality, um, if this whole idea of even vaginal de-armoring sounds incredibly interesting and also terrifying at the same time, please connect with Morgan. Please go find her because there are teachers out there. There are people who are just a few steps further down the path and they've got their little lamp and like you can come and they come and they'll walk into the dark with you and help you light your yes. own lamp from theirs and you guys can go in into it together. But um, there's so much beauty in that mystery. And I think that um, there's just, yeah. I mean, we could sit here for hours and talk about it, but um, but unfortunately we don't have that time. So before we we go. Um, I would love to hear, is there, is there a book that changed your life on, on these subjects or something that you would recommend reading for any of our listeners? Mm. Can you give us a book club suggestion if you have one? I read so much. I love, I love reading. And the ones that I feel like I, I recommended to women and they're like, that was really important for me. Thank you for recommending that. Um, the classic, well, come as you are. That one that must be on your reading list. I've also, never read that. Do you know? Oh the my author? goodness! Yeah, Emily Nagoski. Um, and um, the Dance of the Dissonant Daughter for Women so Learning. Good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, like um, Tantric Jesus. I love that one. Or anything by Cynthia Bourgeau. Wisdom. My face right now is so excited. You guys yes. have like Tantric Jesus. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, Renho is the author of Tantric Jesus. <clears throat> and um, anything by Cynthia Bourgeau, so The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, if you're interested in this divine feminine, divine masculine, how it all fits together with Christianity. Um, the Female Anatomy of Arousal is a really good encyclopedia, just like of our arousal networks as women. It's a really playful book, but it's also very, very instructional. So critical orgasms, all kind of orgasms, like just understanding your body and reclaiming like ownership of your body. And um, what other books? I have a reading list. I think it's, it's like called summer reading list, but it's there all year round on my Instagram highlights. And so oh, that perfect. a bunch more as well. Yeah, I'll link these in the show notes. Um, and if you had to give women any listeners, if you had to give listeners just a piece of advice, the best advice you've received Mm. or a few words of wisdom that they can chew on, um, what would you tell them? Right now, it would definitely be to give yourself permission to see yourself in new ways because we all could benefit from that. We all get stuck with a certain identity, you know, and chances are that identity is too small for you. So just the permission you can give yourself by placing your hand over your heart and just saying out loud, I give myself permission to see myself in new ways, to see my sexuality in new ways, to see my spirituality in new ways, to see who I am as a woman in new ways. That in and of itself is so powerful for each one of us. I think that's so so good and so true and you know i find myself in this in this walk of redefining feminine leadership and you're in the same walk and there comes times where we encounter people and the way that they see us is so big and i just felt convicted in what you just said that maybe i haven't given myself permission to see myself in new ways as much as I've even thought I have, because the resistance is still there. When someone Mm -hmm. says, you know, you're so incredible or you're so amazing or look at what you've built. There's this Mm -hmm. part of me that's like looking over my shoulder, like who's she talking to? Um, And I know that they're talking to me. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that um, oath for myself and just tuck it in my back pocket and have that be part of my prayer going forward. So um, sweet, incredible, powerful Morgan, where can people connect with you if they want more, if their desire is talking to them and they want more of the Morgan magic? Yes. Find me on Instagram. 
Um, I do take regular digital Sabbaths, and so I practice what I preach, meaning I take time away just to be in nature, but I'm there for you there as well. Um, my website, Morgan Day Cecil, and Sophia Retreats, if you're interested in coming to Italy with me or to Australia in February. Um, also, to heal your own gaze, healyourowngaze.com is where you can go to get some resources and to be plugged in for the next program. I would love to have you in on this round this fall. Um, we're going to be working together to reclaim innocence and to remember playfulness and to restore honor and to redeem pleasure and to resource our sacredness as women all through this really fun tool of the sexy selfie (laughs) so such um, a radical idea that your sexuality and your spirituality could be fun right yes like this could be we could have a good time with we're gonna have soap which i believe that it's like that's the divine feminine magic where there is so much power in being playful yes so healyourowngaze.com that program is just starting so you're not too late to go check it out if you guys want to see what that's Mm -hmm. all about um at morgan day cecil on instagram morgandaycecil.com and go check out sophia retreats i know i'm going to so you might see me in a future one because i i'm just um I'm on the, I'm riding the Morgan train. Choo-choo. It's so fun. <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Morgan, for being so here. so fun, Amelia. Such a thank joy. you so much. Such a joy. Yes. Yeah. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Great. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. If you love this episode, if it impacted you in some way, please grab a screenshot and share it right now to Instagram stories. Tag Stoked Yogi, hashtag Totally Stoked Podcast. Each week, we'll grab one listener who shared and send you some Stoked Yogi swag. Also, if you love the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, or head over to iTunes right now and leave us an honest review. Your support and feedback make this show possible. If you have ideas about how we can improve, please send them to podcast at stokedyogi.com. Until next time, you guys, keep showing up, loving people, telling the truth, and remember, keep living your life totally stoked.